Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. There's something very appealing, very comforting, and very encouraging about the Gospel of John. Nearly every believer is encouraged to begin their reading of the Bible with the Gospel of John, and all believers love this book. But most may be hard-pressed to tell you exactly why. Actually, in many ways, John's gospel is a miniature of the entire Bible. It begins as Genesis does, in the beginning, and through its 21 chapters, it touches and develops in a most profound way the great themes of the whole scripture. But most of all, we love this book because it reveals the answer to our greatest need, that Jesus came that we might have life. Yet it also reveals God's greatest need, and that is his people would be transformed into precious stones for God's building. Ed Marks has joined us as we carry on our second program of the Life Study of John. Ed, it's great to have you back. Well, Matt, it's good to be back, especially for this classic Life Study of the Gospel of John. I think our listeners will just be kind of in awe as we go through this week by week to hear Brother Lee's marvelous exposition of the Gospel of John. Ed, let's talk a little bit about this introduction. This is really a foreword. Today's program is a continuation of the first one yesterday. The two themes that are so prominent, both in the Bible itself and in the Gospel of John, are life and building. And they were introduced in yesterday's program. Maybe just give us a little summary of what we mean when we talk about life and building as revealed in John's Gospel. Okay, Brother Matt, well, when we talk about life, what we're saying is that life is God in Christ as the Spirit dispensed into our being. He's dispensed into our being. And, Matt, one thing we need to realize when we use the word life in John, we're using a particular Greek word. There's three Greek words for life. There's bios, which is the physical life, where we get the word biology from. There's suke, P-S-U-C-H-E, where we get the word psychology from. That's the life of the soul, which the mind is the leading part of the soul. But this word for life in John is zoe, Z-O-E, which means the divine, uncreated, eternal life of God. So when it says in him was life in John 1-4, it says in him was zoe. And then he said, He said, I came that you might have zoe and might have it abundantly in John 10.10. Then in John 14.6, he said, I am the zoe. So zoe, the divine, eternal, uncreated, unlimited life of God, is a wonderful person, Christ himself, dispensed into our being. Now, uh, when we come to building, Brother Lee pointed out last week that building 
is the expansion of God or the enlargement of God to express God in a corporate way. And, of course, when we say the expansion of God, the enlargement of God, we mean the expansion of Christ, the enlargement of Christ, because Christ is God. According to John 1, 1 and 14, he's the very God become flesh. But where we get this from is the type in Genesis 2 with Adam and Eve. Adam typifies Christ. Eve typifies the church. Adam's side was opened up, and out of his side, God took a rib, and it said he built that rib into a woman and brought her under the man. Well, in the Gospel of John, if you go to John 19.34, Christ's side was opened up on the cross, just like Adam's side was opened up. And out of Christ's side came blood and water. Blood was for the purchasing of the church, for the redemption of the church, and for the cleansing of our sins. Water, which matches the rib in Genesis 2.22, is the flowing, uncreated, indestructible, unbreakable life of the triune God, which again is life as we define it here. It's Christ himself flowing in us to be dispensed into us. Well, when Eve was brought forth, she was the expansion of Adam. She was the enlargement of Adam. In the same way, the church, when the church was brought forth in Christ's resurrection through his flowing life, the church is the expansion of Christ and the enlargement of Christ to express Christ in a corporate way. So that's absolutely marvelous, and that's where we get the words life and building from. Appreciate that word, Ed. These things will be reinforced today as we see some aspects and maybe different perspectives than what we saw in the first program yesterday. In this first program, we're going to see the place, not just of the Gospel of John, but of John's writings in the Scripture. I think this is a very interesting introduction. Let's join Witness Lee. Now, we come to the position of John's writings in the Scripture. First of all, John's ministry is a mending ministry. You know, when John was called, he was not fishing there. He was mending the net. When Peter was called, Peter was fishing. But John was mending. So, in the later ministry, Peter did a lot of fishing. Peter brought in the people. But eventually, it was John that mended the heavenly night. John's ministry was a mending ministry, and this mending was one with life. Only life mends. Only life covers all the holes of the heavenly night. We need John's ministry, which is the ministry of the mending life. Now, Have you noticed all John's writings are the final words of the divine revelation? The final word is the deciding word. You may talk a lot, but what will be decided, it depends upon the final word. The Bible has 66 books, but John's books are the final word of the divine revelation. His gospel is the last of the four gospels. It's meaningful. And his epistles are also the last ones of the epistles. And his revelation 
is not only the last book of the New Testament, but also the last book of the whole Bible. So his word, his writings are the final word of the divine revelation. Well, Ed, a couple of points here. Let's wait for just a minute before we talk about this matter of his speaking being the last. I want to go back to the first point, the matter of mending. You know, I think in Matthew, when the Lord called James and John, they were in their father's boat, and it doesn't say that they were fishing. Actually, they were mending, and John was specifically mending the net. We saw yesterday, and I think it will come up again today, that this book of John is full of allegories and symbols. So even what we see John doing and what the Lord calls him is significant, isn't it? Yeah, it's very significant, Matt. It's amazing that when the Lord called Peter, he was fishing. And so he said to Peter, he said, you will be a fisher of men. And then when he called John, John was mending his nets, which signifies that John's ministry is not a fisher of men ministry. It's a mending ministry. Matt, when I consider this, I would like to read you something from the life study of John, the second life study of John, which I think is the best definition of mending in Brother Lee's ministry. It, it won't take that long to read it. It says this. It says, mending means that something has been in existence for a length of time, and it has been damaged, broken, or hurt, and that it now requires mending. Mending always restores a situation to the condition which was present at the beginning. For example, I've had a particular jacket for seven years. At times, a part of this jacket has been torn, and my wife has had to mend it for me. After she mended the broken places, the jacket was restored to its original condition. Likewise, the church has been in existence since the day of Pentecost, However, not too long after its beginning, the church was damaged and injured by many different thoughts, opinions, concepts, philosophies, ideas, teachings, and doctrines. If you carefully read the New Testament, along with church history, you will learn that many injurious concepts crept into the church through Judaism. These ideas damaged the ancient church. Moreover, in the early days, even in the first century, Gnosticism, a blend of Greek, Egyptian, and Babylonian philosophy, also crept into the church, causing considerable harm. Thus, the early church was damaged by both Jewish religious concepts and Greek philosophical ideas, all of which produced numerous doctrines and teachings and injured the church, making many holes in the spiritual net. Even mad, it got so bad that people denied the deity of Christ. They denied that Christ was incarnated to be a man in the flesh. So that's why John says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1.14, he says, and the Word became flesh. In other words, the Word, who was God, became a man. Christ is the complete God and the perfect man. That was to mend a big hole in the net of God's economy. So I just think this definition is marvelous that Brother Lee gave here. Yeah, just to follow up to that, Ed, it's really true that in our life when something needs mending, so many things happen, whether it's something in our personal life, financial problems, 
We look to some kind of program to fix that problem, but it's really the Lord's life. The Zoe that you mentioned earlier is the only way that these problems can be solved or the net can be mended, isn't it? Yeah, Matt. And, you know, as I was considering this, Matt, you know, if you look in the Gospel of John and you look at the outline of the Gospel of John, beginning with chapter 3 and going through chapter 11, there's sections called life meeting the need of every man's case. And so in chapter 3, you have the need of the moral with Nicodemus, which is life's regenerating. In chapter 4, you have a Samaritan woman. She's immoral. An immoral person needs life satisfying. Then at the end of chapter 4, you have a dying person. A dying person needs life's healing. Then in chapter 5, you have an impotent person. An impotent person needs life's enlivening. In chapter 6, you have a, a lot of hungry people. What do hungry people need? They need life's feeding. Then if you go to chapter 7, the need of the thirsty is life's quenching. Then in chapter 8, the need of those under the bondage of sin is life setting free. Then in chapter 9 and 10, you have the need of the blind in religion, which is life sight and life shepherding. Finally, when you come to chapter 11, you have the need of the dead, which is life's resurrecting. So it's absolutely marvelous that from chapter 3 through chapter 11, this is from the outline of the Gospel of John in the recovery version, it shows that life meets the need of every man's case. Whatever your case is, Zoe meets the need. Thank the Lord for giving such a resolution to any any kind of problem. The Lord, the Lord's life meets that need. And I want to read uh, John one fourteen, and then we'll go back to Witness Lee. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. Here's Witness Lee again. The book of John is of two sections. Two sections. The first section is the first 13 chapters on the coming of the Lord Jesus to bring God into man and to declare God to man. The second section is on the Lord's going in death and coming back again in resurrection. To do what? To bring man into God. And not only to bring man into God, but also to abide in and with man for God's building. The first section tells us how the Lord was the Word of God, which was God himself. Coming through his incarnation to bring God into man and to declare God to man. Before the time of his incarnation, he was far, far away from man. God was God, man was man. But through his incarnation, he brought God into man. And God became one with man at least there was one man who was both God and man by the name Jesus. Amen. So incarnation was to bring God into man. 
and to declare God to men. No man has ever seen God, but this only begotten Son of God has declared God to men in life, in light, in grace, in reality. Then the second section is to bring man into God. Not only to bring God to man, but now to bring man into God, and also to enter into man, and to abide in man, and to abide with man for what? For God's building. Here are two things that every Christian knows. Everyone knows about incarnation and resurrection, yet. Behind these two common words, or frequently heard words, there are two great truths related to bringing God into man and bringing man into God. Develop this a little bit for us. Well, when he was incarnated, he brought God into man. And as Brother Lee said, this is from John one eighteen. it says, No one has ever seen God, the only, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And the way the Lord declared God through his incarnation was as the word, life, light, grace, and reality. So as the word, he's God defined, he's God explained, he's God expressed. As life, he's God dispensed into our being. We, we pointed that out. As light, he's God shining in us, in our being through us and out of us. And as grace, he's God enjoyed by us. And as reality, he's God realized by us, and he's God becoming reality to us. So he was all these things when he became incarnated to man. He became the word, life, light, grace, and reality. He's still that to us in resurrection. But in resurrection, in John fourteen twenty. The Lord said this, he said, in that day, the day of resurrection, you will know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So in resurrection, we got brought into the Son and in the Father, and the Father and the Son got brought into us as a mutual boat. We dwell in him, he dwells in us. And that is God's building. Just to point this out, Matt, in John 151, the Lord told Nathaniel, he says, you shall see greater things than these. You shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Well, he was pointing back to Genesis 28 with Jacob's dream, where Jacob dreamt that there was a ladder set up on earth, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on that ladder. Well, that ladder, in John 151, Christ pointed out, that ladder is me. I'm the one who brings heaven to earth. I bring God into man. And I'm the one who joins earth to heaven. I bring man into God. So in John 151, what he was saying is, now in Genesis 28, Jacob called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God. So what is the house of God? The house of God is God being built into man, and man, God being built into man through incarnation, man being built into God through resurrection. That's the building of God. That's the house of God. That's Bethel. That's John 151. Wow. I, don't know, I want to just say awesome. What an awesome picture. Ed, we're going to hear Witness Lee speak this much more succinctly and powerfully than I'm going to, but I'm 
Just going to set it up at least. The Gospel of John is one of the deepest and most profound books in the Bible, yet the language of John is among the most simple, and that's a marvelous testament to the reality that this is God's Word. Here's Witness Lee again. This book of John is too deep, it's too profound. Language-wise, it is the most brief and simple writing. In the beginning was the word, so simple. I do believe even the first grader can read it. I am the light, I am the life. It's so simple, so brief. But have you realized, my, the meaning is profound. In him was life. The sentence is simple, it's brave, but can you tell us what is life? It's profound. It's far, far beyond our understanding. So, this book is a brief book. In a simple style, it uses all kinds of allegories. It uses all kinds of figures. Every chapter of this book has some figures. In chapter 1, we have the word, we have the tabernacle, we have the lamb, we have the stone, and we have the heaven letter. In chapter 2, we have the temple, we have the father's house, and we have six water pots, and we have the wine. In chapter 3, we have the serpent lifted up on the pole. And in chapter 4, we have spring of Jacob or Jacob's well. And we have the water. And in chapter 6, we have the bread. In chapter 7, you have the rivers of living water. Then you have all kinds of allegories, figures. In chapter 10, you have the door. And you have the food. And you have the pasture. In chapter 13, you have the foot washing. That was also an allegory. Signifying some deeper things. You see, you cannot understand this book without properly allegorizing all the figures. After his resurrection, he came back to his disciples and he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the holy bride. Well, if you don't know the real meaning of that, I don't know what was that. You see, that was an allegory because the matter of life is so abstract. The matter of life is so deep, so profound, it's really hard with the human words, in human language, to express it. The best way is to use all kinds of figures to signify something spiritual, something so deep, something so profound concerning the matter of life, and even the more concerning the matter of building. These things that he just referred to, the uh, figures that we're going to come into, the six water pots, the river of water of life, and the bread of life, all of these pictures will unveil this hidden matter, the more mysterious matter of the building God. I'm just delighted to be here and have a chance to do this again and to strongly encourage our listeners to dive into these messages. 
Can you say more about these matters, Ed, uh, particularly this matter of the bread of life? Yeah, Matt, I would just like to say about the bread of life. You know, in John six thirty five, the Lord said, I am the bread of life. Can you imagine a man saying this? And then in John six fifty seven, he said, he who eats me, even he shall live because of me. But he wasn't talking about eating his flesh because in John six sixty three, he says that it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the way to eat the Lord as the bread of life is to eat his words. His words are spirit and life. We can actually enjoy the Lord and eat the Lord as our spiritual food by eating his words of spirit and life. So Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word became to me the gladness and joy of my heart. So I would just like to encourage our listeners to pray over God's word. Use God's word as a prayer book. Pray it aloud back to the Lord. Declare it to the Lord. Pray it to the Lord. As you pray, read the word. And read and pray over the word. The word will become living to you. It will become spirit and life to you. It will become it will become your spiritual sustenance. And Christ will become the bread of life to you experientially and subjectively. I really hope that word can get to many ears, Ed. What a practical way to experience the bread of life through praying over the Lord's words that it could become the living bread to us believers. Well, that's a good point, Ed, to bring it to a close today. Our second program in this Life Study of John is at an end, and it leaves us just enough time to not only get into the material that we just encourage the listeners regarding, but even to contact us. You can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. If you visit our website at www.lsm.org. In fact, you can find all these printed Life Study messages there, where you can read them online, or you can listen to these radio programs online for free. So that's something that we would like to encourage all of our listeners to do as well. That's all of our time today. Thanks for coming in, Ed. It's a privilege, man. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We invite you to continue through the life study of John with us as we move on through the Gospel of John. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 
888 Life Study. Thanks for listening today.